0: Gotta get our talking animals theme going here. I'm not quite sure why we don't have it so far. All right, well, maybe we'll skip it for today. Good morning. This is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss, and my guest today is Katrina Shaddix, founder and executive director of Bear Warriors United, a nonprofit whose mission is to preserve and protect bears and all of Florida's natural resources and wildlife. Bear Warriors United pursues activities ranging from cultivating legislation to doling out bear straps at no cost to make your trash bear-proof. Of course, the chief objective of the organization, as guided by Shaddix, is education. This, too, takes varied forms, including Shattuck's inviting high school students to volunteer with BWU to fulfill their community service hours commitment, perhaps having the students distribute educational flyers headlined. Got bears? I can help. And Shaddix herself is routinely educational. For instance, illuminating the public in social media posts about when bear cubs are born, mama bear behavior, including when she kicks the cubs out of the family unit, and more. Additionally, perspective is often sought when a bear story becomes high profile, like a bear wandering into a neighborhood and something awful happens, unfortunately, usually to the bear. We'll hear more about Bear Warriors United and bears when I speak with Katrina Shaddocks in a few moments here on Talking Animals on WMNF. Later in today's program, I'll talk with Robin Jorgesser of Monarchs and Miracles, a farm in Lakeland which offers various kinds of animal-assisted therapy. This Saturday, September 3rd, they'll be presenting Goat Yoga, which is not a class of yoga led by the greatest of all time, like, say, Serena Williams. No, this is a yoga session where you're actually joined by goats. So more on this a bit later in the show. Right now, though, let's talk Bears with Katrina Shaddix with a reminder that I invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing DJ at WMNF.org, or texting 813-433-0885. This is Katrina Shaddix on Talking Animals on WMNF. Good morning, Katrina. Good morning, Duncan. Thank
1: you
0: for having me. Oh, thanks for joining us on Talking Animals. I really appreciate it. And of course, I want to delve deeply into Bear Warriors United and the array of work you do on behalf of our bear friends. And we will do that. But first, I'm interested to learn a little bit about your background and earlier years just because it's rare to, uh, at least in my experience, to come across a bear advocate. So it's, I think helpful to explore a little bit of the path that took you there. And we'll have more context for them when we do get into talking about what you do uh, on behalf of Bear uh, Warriors United. So where did you grow up, for starters?
1: Actually, uh, another unique quality. I'm a second-generation native Floridian.
0: Wow. Was, yeah. Where Where so exactly did you grow up?
1: Seminole County, a little uh, country town. Didn't even have a stoplight. Um, 1968, I was born, in, born and raised in Chiliotta, Florida. It's on the rural side of Seminole County. So wow. between um, Altamont Springs and Titusville, that area.
0: Okay. Uh, well Sorry, I missed that last part. Sorry.
1: Which is beautiful bear habitat, which okay. we're currently fighting to protect, to you know, make sure it doesn't get developed and take away all this wildlife habitat out here.
0: For sure. So what role did animals play in your family when you were growing up there?
1: Oh, my gosh. I had been an animal lover probably since birth. Um, if I couldn't have animals... You know, live animals, I, I had a stuffed animal collection, and it was a, uh, sort of had a safari. I would take my stuffed animals out in the yard every day and pretend, you know. I would have tea parties with the stuffed animals instead of Barbies and dolls. Wow. Wow. Um, gosh, just a long time even in, in kindergarten I would sort of sit by myself under the oak tree and, and watch the butterflies and the crickets, and, and I would eat clovers under the tree. So I've been just a very, very proud tree hugger and animal lover from a very young age and um you know, I don't my mom does animal rescue. She rescues cats and dogs in Georgia and um so I think it was just being raised out in the in the woods. Yeah, gave me appreciation for wildlife, and um, you know, I think the compassion for animals came from my mother, who does. Like I said, she's going to you know work herself into the grave rescuing all of the cats and dogs that she does up in Georgia.
0: So, were there a lot of cats and dogs in around the house when you were growing up? Given that your mom's uh, passion for for saving them.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely Um, lots and lots. At one point, I came home one night after going to the beach and. I went and woke her up, and I go, Mom, come out. I got something in my car. She goes, Katrina, if you bring home one more cat or dog, I'm going to kill you. But this time, I had an owl that had been hit in the middle of the road, so it was a nice surprise. But I was continuously bringing home animals, saving animals. Yeah. Um, it's just something maybe engraved in, in our DNA.
0: For sure. It's interesting, though, some areas, certainly including some, some rural areas, kind of what you described there, have a fairly defined... cultural perspective about animals did the area that you grew up would you say uh, how would you characterize what the overall perspective towards animals was in 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 and around the the kind of small area you described that you grew up
1: this little small town in chileota well back in the 60s and 70s before broad development took over um being just a little town it was just a bunch of people you know raised in the south and um and my uncle would take us fishing every weekend and we would catch our dinner. So, and he was also a hunter. So he would, you know, once a year he would kill a deer and and that's what basically we ate uh, bass from the St. John's River and the deer that he killed every year and you know times have changed drastically and unfortunately in Florida where I wouldn't eat anything out of the St. John's River now due to the contamination and the pollutants and all of the aquatic herbicide poisonings put into our waterways and you know hunting was used to control populations decades ago but now we have overdevelopment and poaching and car strike that are, you know, controlling our populations to where, you know, if my uncle was alive today, he wouldn't be hunting anymore because it's just not a tool that's needed to control animal populations. Our wildlife is dwindling at a scary rate.
2: Yeah. I
1: think we are in the middle of the sixth mass extinction. And, um, you know, with 22 million-plus people in Florida and 1,000 moving here every day and only... 4,000 bears, you know, I think we see where the problem lies, so it's just a different world than it was when I grew up in chiliota back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, and and it's a sad thing, but that gives me more drive to fight and do what I do every day.
0: For sure. So, where would we have found you as a teenager and maybe into young adulthood? I'm going to guess with animals in some capacity, but but what were you doing kind of in your late teen, early 20s uh, period?
1: Oh, just this- Let's see. Just working when I graduated from high school and just had jobs mostly in the medical field. I ended up going to um, actually spent a lot of time over at Playland Beach and on the Indian River Lagoon. Like I said, did a lot of fishing back in the, the days before water was contaminated.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: and the most of the time would be either in the um, just hiking along the Econ River in Tuliota or over, like I said, in Titusville at the Merritt Island uh, Wildlife Refuge.
2: Those
0: were pretty much my stomping grounds mm-hmm. in, in the ocean. Gotcha. So this is Talking Animals on WMF. I'm Duncan Strauss. If you just tuned in, my guest is Katrina Shaddocks founder of Bear Warriors United, whose mission is to preserve and protect bears and really all of Florida's natural resources and wildlife. In carrying out that mission, Bear Warriors United engages in various forms of bear advocacy and um, we'll be discussing those efforts in the coming minutes. If you'd like to ask Katrina a question about bears or uh, different aspects of Florida bears and wildlife or offer a comment on those topics, please call 813-239-9663, email DJ at text 813-433-0885. So when did you start working on behalf of animals, any animals? I mean, again, it just sounds like your mom had a probably early and strong influence in that regard. So but when do you yourself start sort of saying, I'm going to help out animals in whatever way besides just bringing some ones home that, that needs some tending to?
1: Uh, probably in college, I wanted, obviously, to help, you know, wildlife and the planet, and we had all the, the climate chaos going on and, you know, protecting the woods that I, you know, grew up in was yeah. very important. So in college, um, my focus was on environmental science and From there, uh, you know, once I graduated college, I did graduate with honors from Seminole State. I found out nobody wanted to pay me to, you know, hug a tree or save a tree or save an animal.
0: It's, just <laughs> it's not as highly pay. compensated as it should be, for sure.
1: <laughs> it is not. It's kind of a labor of love. So, in order to pay the bills, I worked in the medical profession. I was a, a medical assistant to two doctors. They happened to be, um, they were MDs, but they practiced natural medicine. So, again, we were going back to the environment and nature and what that provides for us. And, um, I ended up. I a lady rear-ended me. I got in a car wreck. She, um, you know, I had permanent damage from that night. Ended up having to have back surgery in October 2018 as a result from those injuries from the car wreck. Wow. And as I was laying there, I was out. I mean, it was it was major surgery, and I was in a lot of pain. I remember hearing, you know, about this bear hunt that happened. And I was appalled because, I, as you know, I was born and raised in Florida. We'd never had a bear hunt. And all of a sudden now they're, they're killing bears arbitrarily and, you know, they were killing nursing mothers and cubs. And that, I, I just found that to be so posterous. I called my friend. I I couldn't drive at the time. I called my friend. I'm like, I need you to take me into the woods. I'm going to save all of those baby bears that were orphaned in this hunt. So I actually, I put a back brace on. I hobbled into the woods, and I had it in my head that I was going to, that all these baby bears that had been orphaned were going to come up to me. I'd take them home and raise them and put them back out. And that's how I got involved specifically with bears. It was a response to, a, a visceral response to, you know, what happened in the 2000 uh, Florida bear hunt. So from that,
0: and that you're referring, uh, I assume at least to the, the bear hunt that was 2015. Uh, I like think around the fall of 2015 in particular.
1: Yes, uh-huh. Yeah, okay.
0: Yeah, all right. So I just want to make sure because you're talking about recounting it from, from when you had the back surgery, the, the huge horrible right, injury yeah. in, in 2018. So I just want to make sure I'm tracking this. So, mm-hmm. so was it just when you heard about this and, again, you were kind of obviously down in pain and been through this kind of medical trauma. So... Was it the combination of those things that, that sort of just got you particularly riled up and ready to work on behalf of bears, or had you been a bear person prior to that as well?
1: Well, I loved bears. I loved all animals, but I think it was this, this violation against nature, this crime against nature that, you know, you think to yourself, my God, someone needs to do something about this. And like that old saying, you know, that someone is me, yeah. I can do something. And but there were hundreds, if not thousands, of people that were infuriated about the bear hunt, and a lot of us started attending those uh, Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission com meetings, uh, meetings because that's where the decision to kill bears takes place. So.
0: Yeah, can you, just for people listening who may not have been around or plugged in all the details at the time and might be thinking bear hunt, what, what, you know, so maybe you could just take a little moment and just explain more thoroughly kind of what was happening, described what the bear hunt was ostensibly about, and also you kind of alluded to this, but when the last time there was any sort of sanctioned or official bear hunt prior to this time? Mm-hmm.
1: So prior to that, 21 years before 2015 was the last bear hunt,
2: yeah.
0: and
1: in Florida bears were hunted nearly to extinction. Um, they ended up, because of that, in response, they put them on the Florida um, threatened species list
2: Yeah.
1: and then uh, took them off in 2011 and took, you know, little baby steps every year to get closer to that hunt. And at first, You know, we were told, well, there's too many bears. This is in response to, um, you know, too many bears or the bear attack in Lake Mary. But what we found out was, you know, taking the bears off that threatened species list in 2011 was the first step in what I call devaluing their life and to make it easier for people to develop their land. So, and this is something that we learned, you know, years and months of going to FWC meetings and just seeing how local city and county commissions work. When you have a, a species on a piece of property and it's protected, like the burrowing owl or a panther, if it's panther habitat, it makes it a lot harder to develop property. Sure. And so when the bear was delisted in 2011, along with several other species, that was a major step in helping more urban sprawl development get through. So just starting that, you know, that ended up being part of the fight to save the bears. So we ended up stopping the hunt because the FWC received so much public outrage, and there were so many of us that attended these FWC meetings to tell them, you know, this is not popular, it's not scientifically backed. And, um, you know, they decided a zero quota for bear hunts every year since. Um, it still is, you know, um, an annual event that we have to do. We have to state our case, and and they vote no on that quota. But in the meantime, like in 2016, after we got the bear hunt stopped, I realized the FWC killed bears in other ways, and that other way that they killed more bears were um, by labeling them nuisances for going into the trash and eating the trash, and so. And as you've seen, we have a lot of people on social media who say, oh, there's a bear in my yard. And a ton of people moving to Florida don't even know we have bears until they see them in their trash can. Um, and, and that's another big problem with realtors. Realtors don't want to educate potential buyers from other states that, hey, you're moving and you're potentially going to be buying a house that's in bear territory. So you need to secure your trash and do certain things to peacefully coexist. The realtors failed to give them this information. So then that's when we have the newcomers to Florida calling the FWC, which is the state wildlife agency, say, oh, my God, there's a bear in my trash. And, you know, that has led to hundreds of bears being killed by the FWC for eating trash. The FWC doesn't want to do that, and that's why it's been so great because, you know, I started out as, as bitter enemies with the FWC because they had that bear hunt. But it was actually a bear biologist in or 2016 that approached me and said, hey, if you and your friends really want to save the bears, help us help the public secure their trash can. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? She goes, well, I want you to do a ride along with me. I want you to see what the FWC has to deal with when people call and complain about the bears. So I did that. I did a ride-along, and, and it was eye-opening. And, um, you know, there was a woman in Sanford who lived 500 yards from the Black Bear Wilderness Area, which is a natural land property in Seminole County, where people come from all around the world to hike. And the woman who was living so close at this jewel um, had a bear and a, a mama bear and a cub come into her yard a few times to eat, you know, unsecured trash. And uh, she literally told the FWC biologist, "I want you to kill the mother bear who brings her baby here every night to eat." And that was astonishing. I'm like, "God, wow. you know, cause, you know, you have this mind frame. Most of us have this mind frame that would just be tickled pink to have a mother bear and a cub visit in your yard." But this woman actually wanted. A mother bear killed for trying to survive and eat and be her baby.
0: Was so, that uh, like so many things, Katrina? Was that, you think, just out of this woman's ignorance of knowing what the actual situation was and thinking there was much greater risk to her or her family than there maybe actually was? And so she just was saying, yes. hey, let's get rid of this. I don't want to risk this. Just kill the bear.
1: Exactly. It was that lack of education that um, led her to ask for the animal being killed. I think she thought that was the easiest fix. And and that was so great about working with the FWC is that, you know, that's the main thing that I do is provide education. And once people realize, hey, you're living in bear territory, it's super easy to peacefully coexist with them and other wildlife. And the first and easiest thing that you do is secure your trash. Um, and, you know, within two weeks of someone securing their trash, the bears won't. Come to their yard anymore. So at, at that uh, that night at the woman's house, when the bear biologist said, "No, we're not going to kill the bear. You have eleven attractants in your yard. You have unsecured trash, unsecured livestock. She had a broken garage door that wouldn't close, and she had a refrigerator in the garage." Mm. Um, that- to name a few and then the woman actually said to fwc biologists and i'm going to kill the bear myself oh my goodness and, yeah and and then biologist responded well you will be arrested if you do that so there was like i said when when they delisted the bears they devalued their life and it was sort of a message to people who weren't educated on florida wildlife that you know they're they're not protected anymore they're not on the threatened list so you know, we can just kill them off, like, you know, cockroaches or something like that. And, um, so that's probably been the toughest hurdle and the most effective tool to saving bears is educating the masses. Yeah. And, and usually, you know, once you're saying, hey, you know, this is super easy. This is what you do. Here are some free bear straps. Here's a video to show you how to do it. If you can't do it, we'll do it for you. It, everything's great and sunshiny and, and, you know, just happy endings all over I haven't really met one person that says, no, I'm not going to secure my trash because I want to kill the bear.
0: Well, other than that lady, I guess, uh, hopefully most people have a different point of view. Yeah.
1: And we actually helped that lady. We installed the electric fencing around her chicken coop and tested it to make sure it was a high enough um, voltage to shock the bear but not hurt the bear. And so we helped out, and the FWC does a great job in helping people do things like that to basically coexist with wildlife. But another problem is a lot of people moving here don't they don't even know what the FWC is. It's our it's our state wildlife agency and they really do some amazing work. And sure, they'll, they'll do a bad thing every once in a while, like have a bear hunt, but I think they have more than made up um, for that mistake by, you know, helping people secure their trash and educate. And um, you know, they do sometimes trap and relocate. So um, it turned yeah. out to be a really good partnership with
0: them. They yeah, it sounds. Really work. Yeah, it sounds like FWC has kind of won you over after initially you were sort of thinking these guys are kind of my enemies, my foes. But it sounds like over time, especially with that biologist and just some of the things that that they have done, that they've kind of turned around your view of them.
1: Absolutely, yeah. The biologist and the staff, the law enforcement is incredible. We really are lucky in Florida to have. Florida Fish and Wildlife, because in other countries, when they have a problem with a bear, you know, their their solution to that is sometimes gruesome, you know, and and we just have, we have a, an agency, a state-funded agency that's dedicated to conserving our wildlife, so we're lucky, um, you know, like I said, some they're not perfect. Yeah. They would say the same thing about me, but we have a mutual respect, we work together, and, and they do really good stuff. Really good things about
0: uh, wildlife. And as you've gotten to know them and probably develop a specific relationship with certain uh, FWC employees, do you ever mm-hmm. get the sense that the, there's any kind of regret on their part about delisting the bears?
1: Oh, sure. Well, you have, so how can I put this? A lot of people who work for the FWC don't agree with the decisions that come from the top.
2: Yeah.
1: But they need their jobs. They cannot, you know, raise a fuss. and. They really do depend on citizens and uh, wildlife organizations and nonprofits to, you know, fight that battle for them. They they know what's wrong and they know what's right. Like I said, they need their jobs. They have yeah. families to feed. And, you know, I have never expected an employee of the FWC to, you know, risk their job by standing up for an animal. I'm always more than happy to do that. We have a a ton of people in Florida that can, uh, you know, take on that tough job,
0: but yeah, they might privately express to you, Hey man, I wish this didn't go down this way, or I wish this still, this particular thing wasn't still an issue now, but they obviously aren't going sit- to share that publicly because then that would put their job in jeopardy.
1: Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I've even, um, you know, met with biologists and dark parking lots. And she's like, you know, this and this, and this is going on. We really need to have smoke signals because there's, So much that goes on, but, you know, we can't be the ones to take care of it. To address it, yeah. The employers need to be the ones to step up. So it's a great partnership. Like I said, it's, you know, unfortunately, that's the politics of some state agencies. Um, Sure. And we do find the higher up the FWC goes, the more they kowtow to developers and help developers destroy that wildlife habitat. But you have the great law enforcement biologists and staff for the FWC that, that are amazing. Yeah. Don't agree with the decisions coming down from
0: the top. All right, so I'm going to have a few more questions for you, obviously, but let's get one of our callers involved in the uh, conversation. Hi, you're on Talking Animals with Katrina Shaddix.
1: Um, I'm so glad you have her on your program today. We have four acres, a mobile home, and beehives, and we've had trouble with the bears, but we've secured them with double straps, and um, we've got them on game cam trying to lift it, and then they give up and go away, so there are ways to coexist. Also, was what about the trial of the gentleman that shot the bear up in his tree that said he was being menaced by the bear in Sebring? We haven't heard any more. I think it was still going to trial. Yes.
0: Okay, well, th- thanks for your call, and thanks for both comments.
1: Okay, I'm going to listen for her answer. Oh, okay, you. all
0: right, Thank you. F- thanks for calling. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Go ahead, oh, uh, thank- Katrina.
1: I just wanted to thank your caller for securing... Um, her beehives and everything, and if she or her neighbors need more straps, I send those out free, no charge with educational literature. Um, as far as the man in Sebring, he, gosh, I've attended, I've lost count of how many pre um hearings I have attended for him. He, they have postponed his trial for nine months, I think it is. I think we've been to at least six of those pre-trial hearings, and he, what he did, he went, uh, he saw the mother bear and her three cubs in a tree. He went into his house, got a gun, fired eight times into the tree, killing the mother and one of her cubs. Ugh. And which obviously left her other two cubs orphaned. And he was, God, SWC did an amazing job when they charged him, I think, with 16 counts of various various crimes. And just, we just attended his most... Um, his latest pretrial hearing was, I think, two weeks ago. I was down in Sebring for that. And the attorney has moved to get the case dismissed, which is appalling in itself. Now, this was going to be the first case tried with the um, my bill that was went into law in 2020. That increased the fines and penalties for killing a Florida black bear. Before my bill was passed, and matter of fact, Governor DeSantis decided to uh, signed it in July of twenty.
0: Yeah, I was going to say a different part of this conversation that the people listening might be surprised to hear that, uh, depending on how they feel about Governor DeSantis, that he actually did something very good in terms of uh, signing that yeah. you, signing your bill into law. It was a
1: Wonderful bill, and it was a, a, a bipartisan effort. You know, politics being what it is i'm a democrat i went to a republican state legislator um david smith and we got that bill together and he worked it magnificently it was passed unanimously through all of the committees and on the senate floor and the house floor and then like i said signed by governor DeSantis. and i wrote a letter to the judge in the sebring case saying this Law, you know, it was agreed upon by every single lawmaker in the state of Florida that there needs to be um, higher fines and stiffer penalties for people who kill bears. Yeah. So to let this case get dismissed would be a travesty of justice. And that happens a lot with bears and with wildlife.
0: And why do you think, Katrina, in this case with the Seabreen guy, why do you think the case keeps getting postponed?
1: Well, I think that's why people hire criminal defense attorneys, you know, they, they want to postpone it. So the public outrage decreases over time. Yeah. And, um, you know, if they would have had the trial immediately when it happened, when the public outrage was at its peak, then it would have, you know, he would have probably got the jail time that he deserves. So it's just a stall tactic that, um, attorneys use, but, I, I really don't think the FWC is going to let them um, dismiss the case, and I'm uh, I'm in, t- in touch with the FWC to find out if they're going to be taking steps because depending on what the FWC does or doesn't do, I will be posting a call to action either for everyone to attend the next hearing or to write the judge directly and tell him, you know, don't you dare dismiss this case.
0: Yeah, for sure. Wow, mm-hmm. I guess we all got to keep a closer eye on that one then for sure, because that sounds yeah. like it's pivotal in, in many ways in terms of how that's resolved, that, how that case mm-hmm. is resolved. So one thing, too, that you said earlier on in describing some of the things in the wake of the uh, the bear hunt is the zero quota. So um just so everyone's clear, does that mean that that technically the bear hunt still – does or at least could exist, and so this is the thing that's renewed or, or re- reassessed each year, and then if there's zero quota, then there obviously isn't a bear hunt. But could there still even be possibly one from one year to the next based on, on how the thing is still being? <laughs>
1: yes, there is still technically a bear hunt season on the book, yeah. but the FWC makes a decision every year, for the, the the quota which is the number of bears to be killed and they've done you know they've made that zero since 2016 and um but still you know it's just it's just a bad reflection you know to have a bear hunting season in a state where millions of people love our bears where people come from other parts of the world to hike in the black bear world in this area it's just you know it's not a good showing. Which is why I've been working to get the bears relisted onto the threatened uh, list. But you know that's where we run into. You know we know developers have a lot of power. They fund a lot of campaigns. Yeah. And it's really hard to get the bears back on the protection list when that's going to interfere with developer profits.
0: Right. So, you can't mess with uh, their uh, with their dough, right? Otherwise, that's, uh-huh. that's not going to happen. Yeah you, know, yeah.
1: you know they just. They have no appreciation of wildlife, they have no appreciation of our environment and what that does to our quality of life and our health. Right. So if we don't have all of these all of this bear habitat, then we'll have contaminated water because land use is water quality and you know, as you know, Florida tops the nation and most polluted water and lake. For sure. And, uh, that comes from all of the development and the cutting down of trees and destroying the wetlands. Yeah. And that's no- a whole other Uh, ball of wax to get into but you know the plight of the bears is is kind of our plight you know we're fighting to protect their home which also provides our quality of life and our um, health you know once we destroy all of their green space we we go downhill as well
0: no it's uh they they are part and parcel and we've talked a number of times on this show about development and about the what that does to habitat and then what that does to Mm -hmm. animal you know, scent scurrying for other places to try to live and settle and feed themselves and feed their families and uh, Mm -hmm. it's super complicated and it's all part of a piece of kind of what we're talking about here. This is Talking Animals on WMNF. I'm Duncan Strauss. My guest is Katrina Shaddix, founder of Bear Wars United. BwEU engages in various forms of bear advocacy including cultivating legislation, education, an assortment of other efforts large and small including doling out bear strands for no cost to make your trash bear-proof. Uh, we invite you to join the conversation by calling 813-239-9663, emailing dj at wmnf.org, or texting 813-433-0885. So, Katrina, one of our emailers says, I know when people feed gators, they lose their fear of people. I lived on Lake Tarpon, and people thought it was fun to feed them. Does this happen with bear? Um, I don't know of
1: anybody that really goes in hand feed bears feeding them you know letting our trash be unsecured is technically feeding bears and you don't worry so much as them losing their fear i always call bears the scary cats of nature because you can startle them so easy and in in one of my educational brochures there's a picture of a cat that treated bear for three hours a regular old orange tabby house cat kept a bear up a tree for three hours they're they're so easy to scare so you know, what you want to do when you see, obviously, you want to secure your trash to keep them off of the property and not get them habituated to, you know, going to the same trash can to eat. And it's not so much as they lose their fear. They're just hungry. Right. And they know where they can get an easy meal. Sure. Um, those are still easy to startle and scare away. Uh, I give out thousands of bear whistles. Uh, when you go out, say if you're going out at night <laughs> to put your trash out or in the morning, in the dark hours, you'll just want to clap your hands or bang the side of your car, or, you know, uh, put the garage door up and down to make a noise to scare off the bears. And a lot of times you can scare them out of the area before you know they're even there.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so
1: if... that's what you want to, you know, you know. Hopefully no one's feeding bears by hand, but um, as far as them losing their fear, it's not so much as them losing their fear and becoming brazen because they're very docile, shy, gentle creatures for the most part. You just want to make sure, you know, we as humans are doing our responsibility to make sure it's not uh, a hospitable environment for bears to come. Clap, make noise, scare them away, and secure trash, and you'll be good. And, and one important thing to bring up is, you never want to startle a bear if he doesn't have an exit route. So if he's in your garage and you come into your garage from the driveway and the bear is there, don't clap your hands and yell at the bear because he's going to be so frightened he's going to run right over you. And then that time is taken as oh the bear attacked me when actually yeah. the bear scared to death and he's just trying to get out of the area. So always make sure they have a clear exit route before um, you know you try to scare them off and everything. I'll be fine. Keep the dogs on a leash. Um, but, yeah, I, I I hope no one's feeding bears by hand. Right. And,
0: uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, well, as far as the trash can, the straps, and the thing you mentioned now with the whistles, let's <laughs> just talk briefly. I think your Bear Warriors United the basic online presence is your Facebook page. Am I correct <laughs> on that? Yes. Yeah, so people would just go to Facebook and search for Bear Warriors United and then find out all kinds of information and posts, and that's how they would contact you through there if right. they if they did want the trash you know, the bear straps or the whistles or whatever that might help yep. with whatever bear and issue.
1: And they can also email me at bearwarriorsunited at com and just say, hey, I heard you on the radio. I would love to have some bear straps for my garbage can. Here's my address, and I will... If it's nearby, I hand deliver. If it's far away, I put them in the
0: mail. That's great. Well, that couldn't be easier. Katrina, we got another email that says, thank you for your great guests, for her work and enthusiasm. The show has been so informative and is a call to action for voters to keep a sharp eye on Florida's environmental policies. I uh, can say that again. So, um, mm-hmm. so speaking of the situation where you said, like, don't, if there, if a bear, if you see a bear in your garage, be careful what you do. Then mm-hmm. let's ask just more generally: when people do encounter a bear, let's say it's not in their garage, but let's just say out in their yard or in their community, or they're out on a, a on a jog or a hike or wherever they might be, mm-hmm. and they do see a bear, what is the recommended thing? I mean, sometimes you hear a lot of the same stuff. Sometimes you hear conflicting recommendations. So you're our expert. You tell us what we should do.
1: Oh, that's sweet. Actually, I, I defer to FWC biologists as being the expert. I've just sort of learned as I've gone along here. But I actually enticed a bear to chase me once because I wanted to test out the FWC's instructions <laughs> on what to do if you encounter a bear.
2: Okay. And now
1: there's different there's different suggestions for different breeds of bears. What we do for black bears is something completely. Different than what we would do for, um, you know, grizzlies in the west or polar bears. Okay. We are very lucky in in Florida and on the East Coast that the black bear species is very shy and docile and easy to scare away. Um, there's never been a person killed in Florida in the history of uh, in the history of our state. A black bear has never killed a person. So um, what the FWC recommends doing with black bears is that you make yourself big. You make noise, and um, you don't run. Don't run away. And um, But a, a preventative measure, obviously, is keep the garage doors down, secure your trash, keep dogs on a leash, and make that noise. If you're out walking, hiking, blow the whistle, clap your hands, make noise. The bears will leave the area before you even know that they were there. So preventative is always better than having to do something you know, in response to But in that occasion, if you do come across a bear, so let me tell you what I did. I was in the woods. I saw a bear, and I said, I wonder if it's really true that you shouldn't run from a bear. So I got the bear's attention. He was about 100 yards away, and I started running. Fair enough, he started chasing me. And as I'm running, you know, with no one around for hundreds of acres, I started thinking to myself, What if he doesn't stop and I'm out here in the woods all by myself? (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I I thought about that after I enticed him.
0: Okay, that's quite an experiment, yeah.
1: (laughs) So I stopped. I turned around. I faced the bear. He was still trotting toward me. I put my arms up in the air, and I didn't even say a word. The bear stopped in his tracks. He almost slid to a stop at least 20, 30 yards away. And he stood up and turned around and ran back into the woods. I mean, and wow. when, I, when I saw that, I'm like, you know what? He did the same thing that my two German Shepherds do. If I get their attention and I start running, they run after me to play. And I've been around enough bears to know they're very playful, especially with their, um, their siblings and even with their moms. So that's what I did. I just ran. And the FWC is right. They, they will chase you if you run. So don't run. Just yeah. stand there. Um, make noise. And make yourself big, and more times than not, they turn around.
0: And it mm-hmm. sounds like in this experiment, which sounded like you didn't, by your own admission, think all the way through, but, but it still sounded like it, it was a good good experiment in some ways. But it sounds like even after running, and the bear indeed was chasing you, which is, again, I guess why they recommend not running, but then the fact that you were able to stop in such a way, and then I guess kind of rose up and sort of did make yourself big, which is the other ongoing recommendation, that that was enough to send the bear the other direction.
1: Right, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. so it does work even if you've done something that maybe you shouldn't do to begin with.
1: Exactly. And the other times that I've ran into bears in the woods, I've only seen them, geez, sadly, um, two other times in the woods, and we were hiking again and. You know, what was known as bear territory. It was in Lake County. And we come around the corner and there was a bear eating, um, acorns and he saw us from like 100 miles away and that oh my gosh i felt so bad because we scared him to death we interrupted his meal and he took off running just terrified of us so you know like i said florida black bears were super lucky they're easy to scare off they don't want to be around us they only want to eat and if we provide the trash for them to do that which we don't want to do you know my mom when i first started giving out these free straps and making the straps to secure trash cans she was going she just why are you helping people secure the trash? That's the only thing that the bears have to eat. And I Mom, the trash is unhealthy. Yeah. One thing, it was a bucket full of fresh berries and nuts, but you have plastic, tinfoil, dirty baby diapers, a bunch of dirty, rotten, you know, junk food and spider yeah. food. We don't want them eating. And, and a lot of bears, when they've been uh, necrops, necropsied, which is an animal autopsy,
2: yeah. you know,
1: plastic bags were found in their stomachs. So we want to keep them out of our trash cans, and in the woods where they have nice, healthy food to eat, like they're used to, and uh, which is another step that we're doing. After we help people secure their trash cans, we're helping neighborhoods restore wildlife habitat by planting native bear food plants.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Area. Yeah, behind the neighborhood. Wow. So have blackberries, blueberries, sunflowers. There's a ton of native plants that bears eat, and we feel... You know, if we're taking away their unhealthy food source, let's do the right thing by giving them a healthy food source in the woods. That's and that great. Way to keep the balance in the woods and out of our neighborhoods and less likely to be shot or killed you know, for going into
0: our trash. That's really great. Well, Katrina, we're, we're sort of unfortunately at the end of our time here. But let me just double check. I assume that if people hearing this and saying, wow, this is all great, you can get your bear straps, you can get your whistles, there's, they're giving them proper food after other things are taken away and the trash is mm-hmm. prevented. So these are all things that obviously cost money. So if someone wanted to donate in support of Bear Warriors United, could they also do that through the Facebook page? Oh,
1: you know what? I'm, I'm too horrible at accepting and asking for money. Um, I don't even think I have a donation link on the page, but I do have a PayPal. It's at Bear Warriors United. Okay. Um, they can also mail a check to PO Box six two two six two one to Florida three two seven six two, or just email me at Bear Warriors United at gmail dot com, and we can chat about that stuff.
0: Okay, great. Well, again, I'm sure a lot of people listening want to. Uh, probably help out or send you a few bucks or whatever just because you're doing, obviously, amazing work on on behalf of our bear friends. So, Katrina, thank you so much for uh, joining us today and talking now. We've been speaking with Katrina Shaddix of Bear Warriors United, and uh, thank you again for joining us, and thank you for helping our bear friends uh, try to stay safe and alive and protected. Oh,
1: sure. Thank you, Duncan. I love you, and I I love your program. I love NPR, so keep up the great work.
0: Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye. In a moment, I'll speak with Robin Trogesser of Monarchs and Miracles about the goat yoga session they'll be offering this Saturday, September 3rd in Lakeland. We'll hear more about that from Robin in just a moment. Right now, though, we're going to step into the Comedy Corner. This is Mike Burbigley with a piece selected with the Katrina conversation in mind. Here's I'm a Bear from Mike Burbigley in today's Comedy Corner on Talking Animals on WMNI. This
3: is the first time I remember sleepwalking. I always had dreams about wild animals when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I had this recurring dream for years that there was a bear walking in the front door of of my house.
0: Okay, so tough day in CD1, let's put it that way. So we uh, unfortunately did not get to hear... Uh, Mike for big with a piece called i'm a bear which would have fit in nicely if it had been cooperative but it's time now to speak with robin Trogesser of monarchs and miracles about the goat yoga session they'll be offering this saturday september 3rd this is robin Trogesser on talking animals on wmf good morning robin good morning sorry about the delay we're having what they call technical difficulties and uh but anyways let's jump right in first maybe in fact you could tell me a bit about Monarchs and Miracles. Just, you know, was it always devoted to animal assisted therapy or kind of what's it been its uh, history?
3: Well, I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen with the land. I used to drive by the land every day because um, <clears throat> my horses were get, getting boarded out in Plant City. And the land became available for sale. And I prayed and prayed and prayed every time I drove by the land. You know, God bless me with the land and I'll do whatever I'm supposed to do with it. And so we were blessed with the land, obviously, and moved the horses. And then um, I found myself watching videos of baby goats on YouTube because it was like, you know, it would cheer me up and you laugh. And I stumbled across goat yoga and I was like, this is a thing. So I did more research into goat yoga and I was like, OK, I guess this is what we're supposed to do with the land. Um, so we launched um, Right before COVID, and we were selling out, like, every session. Like, it was absolutely amazing. So we're slowly, you know, getting back up and running again. Yeah. Um, but I didn't know that, you know, that was going to happen with it. But, yeah. So, and then, of course, from there, you know, we do birthday parties. And um I have brought the goats to assisted living facilities and, you know, fall festivals and things like that. So it just became an animal therapy farm after that.
0: That's great. So uh, a little people can probably imagine. Just tell us a little bit more specifically about what a what goat yoga session is like, what uh, actually happens with the goats. And, and
3: So with... I have a certified um, mental health counselor who is also the yoga instructor. Um, her name is Kim Skinner. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. So she gets everyone kind of settled into the space, um, just bringing themselves like you know, into the awareness of just being in the space. And then I let the goats down, like, five to ten minutes after she gets everyone kind of settled in the goat yard. Um, The goats all come running down, and they basically just interact um, with the people, you know, loving on people, nibbling on their hair, um, sometimes climbing on people. Um, And, you know, we just tell everyone that the session is it's their their session. So if they're, you know, in the middle of a a yoga pose and a goat comes over, like, You know, they don't need to stay in the pose, basically. It's a very, very relaxed, you know, session. Yeah. Um, And some people come just to sit on a mat, just to be out in nature and be with the animals. Sure. Be with the goats, the chickens, the ducks. Um, We have livestock guard dogs that live in the goat yard as well. Um, So there's no pressure to, like, stay doing yoga the whole time.
0: And, in fact, it's probably considered rude if a goat does come over to you. You probably should acknowledge the goat.
3: Yes, absolutely. And they love people. They love people.
0: Cool. So how many folks, uh, and, and goats for that matter, participate in a goat yoga session?
3: So we have 17 goats, um, that participate.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and you know, they all have different personalities and, um, some like more attention than others. Um, and it's, a, it's different every time you just never know what you're going to expect. And everyone leaves laughing and smiling. And sure. I mean, I've, I've had people be like, "This was the best day of my life." Like,
2: <laughs> that's great. I've
3: had people go and buy goats after the fact because they didn't realize how amazing goats were.
0: And how many people, uh, human types, are, are part of these sessions typically?
3: Um, anywhere, I mean, we've had upwards of like twenty-five people um, in the goat yard. Um, on average, I would say about eight to ten. Okay. People. Yeah. Yep.
0: And is there an age, uh, is it all ages, or is there a certain age range in particular? Or?
3: I I ask if, you know, eight years and up, mm-hmm. because, you know, like a two-year-old isn't going to stay on their mat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I ask that, you know, children eight and up. I got gotcha. you.
0: Cool. Yeah. So let's go through because we're just about nearing the end of our time here, uh, Robin. So let's just hit to the details. So it's this Saturday, September 3rd. And again, by the way, for those who maybe couldn't make it but want to this, this Saturday, it's repeated again on September 17th. And it's uh, the farm is 1385 uh, UL Road, I guess, in Lakeland. Yep. And the time of the session is yep. nine thirty to ten thirty AM. And is there a website and or social media page where people could double check or find out more info if they need to?
3: Yes, we have Instagram, Facebook, and we have a website. So if they just search Monarchs and Miracles Farm on Facebook or Google, um
0: they the get it. Yeah. The-
3: the social media pages will pop up. Perfect. Yeah. And they can see past videos and past pictures and everything. That's great. Of other sessions
0: we've had. Okay, Robin, well, I'm afraid we're uh, at the end of our time, but thank you so much. Good luck this uh, Saturday and, and all other goat yoga sessions after that.
3: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, we have reached the end of today's edition of Talking Animals on WNF. Scott Elliott is up next, back, rested and refreshed from vacation. It's going to be an even greater show than usual, perhaps. And uh, all kinds of music following that on WNF and org. Be back next Wednesday with another edition of the show. Hope you'll join us for that. You'll find archives and all kinds of other stuff on our show at TalkingAnimals.net. And we'll catch you next Wednesday on WNF Tampa.